It is time now for the Josh Belcher Experience Podcast. The podcast that is unique, just like all the other ones you listen to. The only thing that truly sets this one apart is your host has an ADHD-driven mind, followed by a splash of bipolar tendencies. Now sit back, relax, put on your safety harness, and let's get this party started. Absolutely delighted to have on the podcast the funniest man in America, James Gregory. Uh, he's got a show in Nashville October 6th at Zany's, and that bad boy is sold out. We're going to be talking about that in his brand new CD release titled Crock Pots and Chicken Legs, and pretty much whatever else he feels like sharing with us. That's coming up right now. Uh, we've got the funniest man in America, possibly the entire universe, on the podcast today. Mr. James Gregory going to be in Nashville October 6th at Zany's. Already sold out. How you doing, sir? I'm real good. And how about you all? We are great, sir. Glad to be on the phone with you today. I have a conversation. Yeah, just glad to have you. First of all, thank you for uh, taking your time with us. Um, well, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Really excited to have you. I'm here with comedian, also Brandon Skelton, who's an admirer of yours. Um, we uh, started out by talking about this new album that I got an email about, uh, Crock Pots and Chicken Legs. That he's listened to it. What do you think about it, Brandon? Oh, it was great. I've been laughing all day long. It's, it's a good oh, well, thank you so much. That's my brand new CD, my brand new first album. It's the first one I've done in about the past 10 years. We got so much response for it. And uh, anybody that's interested in it, just go to my website. You can link on and listen to it, or you can order a copy of it. But we've had tremendous, tremendous response and a tremendous reviews from different publications, so I'm very happy about it. It was fantastic. We enjoyed it here, and you recorded it in Nashville at the Skirmerhorn, didn't you? What was that experience like? Oh, gosh, that was a great night. We did that, matter of fact, a year ago. It was uh, last October, and I had never performed at the Symphony Center there in Nashville. They had a tremendous turnout and great audience. Of course, as I mentioned to you before we went on the air, I've always, always had a great time in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been all over the state of Tennessee. It's like a second home to me. Yes, sir, and you always sell out here. You're definitely a big draw everywhere you go, but uh, you seem to be really loved here by the middle Tennesseans. Yeah. But yeah, I did my first show in Nashville 35 years ago. No kidding. That was going to be a question I was going to ask you, and, and, and uh, Brandon here was going to bring it up. Oh, yes, sir. Just kind of curious. I'm, I'm 35 and myself, and just recently started with comedy. And just kind of curious, what, what sparked your interest to make that turn going from just the career world over to the comedy world and, and, you know, the steps you took to get the ball rolling with your comedy career? Well, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, it is your, that could be a long story, but I'll, I'll give you, a, a, I guess, a brief version of it. Right. Now, you just said you were 35 years of age, right? Yes, sir. Right. And the other guy? I'll be 37 Tuesday. <laughs> oh, well, then I'm going to tell you stuff that you have no knowledge about. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, prior to 1982, the only place you could see live comedians meaning to see a comedian 
in person was either in Los Angeles, New York, Boston, Chicago, or Cleveland. There was no such thing as any other venue. There was no comedy clubs anywhere else in the country, not in the heartland of America, not in the southeast. And the first ever comedy club opened below the Mason-Dixon line in 1982. And I live here in Atlanta. I've been here all my life. And the punchline opened in 1982. And all the shows then were Tuesday through Sunday. And every Tuesday was what we call amateur night or open mic night. Okay. And I had uh, friends who always thought that I was funny. <laughs> and they kept daring me to go on stage on amateur night. And that's what I started. I started doing that, and I, that was, I got my foot in the water, so to speak. And then there was a few years later that was a real struggle, especially in the kind of business that we're in. And at that time, there was, not, there was just that one club. And then the very next year, in 1983, they started other clubs started opening up. They started opening up uh, in the Carolinas. And then the first comedy club that opened in the great state of Tennessee was 1984. Wow. Or 80, 80, 83 or 84. The first, I went to Nashville at Zanies in 84. And at one point, there were nationwide, at one point, there was about 400 comedy clubs in the United States. There's a lot less of that now. That's how come I don't do a lot of comedy clubs anymore. But I'm always busy. I do a lot of theaters and other things. But the comedy club era lasted for at least 12 to 15 years. And there were comedy clubs everywhere. There used to be a comedy club. When I say comedy club, now I don't mean a one-nighter. But I don't mean like comedy at some nightclub. I mean legitimate comedy clubs. There was in Nashville, Chattanooga, Knoxville. And then in Atlanta, Georgia, there was Atlanta, Augusta. You know, Macon. <laughs> I mean, there were comedy clubs everywhere, so we just stayed busy. You know? And we all started out as a, as the MC. Yeah, it takes a while to get to the headliner status, but uh, that's kind of how I got uh, interested. In it. That's how I got started. Uh, I've, I've got another question here uh, for you. How did you get the title, the funniest man in America? And then my next question is. When you retire around 93, do you get to pick the next one, or do we have to compete for it? <laughs> say that again about 1993. What did you say about 93? I, I said when you retire at 93 years old, uh, do you get to choose the next funniest man in America, or will we have to compete? For I'm not going to retire anyway. I tell people all the time, I'm not going to retire until I win the Powerball. I tell you about that funniest man in America. That's kind of an interesting story too. It's not like I entered a contest or something like that. It started all as just happenstance, just uh, coincidental. It was a freaky thing, right? Uh, I was doing a series of shows in uh, Huntsville, Alabama, in 1986. I'd been in the business about four years. And I hate to keep repeating myself, but all the shows were Tuesday through Sunday. Mm-hmm. So on a Wednesday night show, 
There was a guy in the audience. I did not know he was in the audience at that time. Okay. But he was a long-time newspaper man. He had a column on the Huntsville Times two days a week. And his article, his column, related to what was going on in the city, anything from entertainment to movies and things of that nature. Billy Joe Cooley. Isn't that, isn't that a great name? Yeah, it is. <laughs> he was a columnist at the Hospital Times for about 30 or 35 years. So he was in the audience that night. And in, I did not know he was there, but he was. So Friday, the Friday edition of Huntsville Times, his column was about the comedy show he had seen on Wednesday night. And he said in that uh, article, he said, I had never heard of this guy before, meaning me. But this guy is so funny. He's got to be the funniest man in America. Wow, that's awesome. And any time that you're in this uh, business that I'm in, especially that time in my life, so I would take, I would get, I would cut off uh, that paper. I, I would make copies of any publicity that I got. And that become part of my uh, press package. Now keep in mind, in 1986, the Internet did not exist. There was no uh, Facebook. There was no Twitter. There was no the, – the Internet did not exist. So what you did, you sent your uh, publicity stuff, your press clippings, to your future place that you were going. So what I did, I just took that article, highlighted a few paragraphs. And as part of my promo package, I mailed that to St. Louis, Missouri, because I worked in St. Louis. And the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, when I got there, on the things to do for the weekend, and it said, and this weekend, <laughs> the funniest man in America, James Gregory, will be here. <laughs> That's cool. They just took that off of that newspaper. And then, coincidentally, uh, just uh, I would say maybe a month after that, I was doing a series of shows in Texas. I would do three weeks in a row. There's a, a big a, a full-time club in Dallas, Fort Worth, and then Arlington, Texas, is uh, between those two cities. So you would send the press clipping and the promo to the same people because the same people owned those three shows. Mm -hmm. But when I got to Texas, the club owner in his in-house promo and on his poster, he put Tunnish Man in America, James Grigg. Mm -hmm. So it kind of started that way. So after about, I guess, six months, I was thinking to myself, you know what? I may I may be on to something here. Yeah. Right. yeah. And it, <laughs> so it started it's that way, you know. It's got uh, nothing to draw this time. Nobody disputes it. Yeah, but it's one of the best things that ever happened to me. <laughs> yeah, that's good. 
Yeah. People um, remember that. They never forget that, you know. Yeah, because that's... But that, well, that would never have happened if not to Billy Joe Cooley. <laughs> well, thanks thanks to Billy Joe Cooley for giving you that awesome title. We're, you know, I'm glad to know. I've always been curious, and thanks to Brennan's question here, we definitely know now how, how it started, and thank you for sharing that. And uh, well, your honor, Sir? I said, well, it's, a, it's kind of an interesting story that that happened coincidentally. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, you've lived up to it through all these years, still going strong. Well, I try to. I really try. You know, I, I've been blessed. Uh, I've been a long uh, survivor in this great business that we're in, you know, and the people and the audience, they're so loyal. They keep coming to see the show. I'm yeah. now in my second generation. I talk to people all the time because I'm always out in the lobby after the show and people are talking to me. And I meet people now who are in their mid-20s or maybe early 30s, and they'll tell me stories about when when I was eight years old, my dad gave me one of your cassettes, you know. So I've been to another generation now. So it's all, it's just great. It's all good stuff. Yeah, that's one thing I've always heard about your reputation is that you you go every show, you meet and greet with the people after you're done, and that, you know, that... that Yes, I do. I got a rule of thumb here. I don't leave the building until the last customer is gone. Wow. I mean, if they want to talk to me, they can. If they want to take pictures, if they want me to sign anything, I will stand there as long as it takes. Because uh, I just, I mean, I just look at it. uh, It's the least I can do. I mean, these are the people that keep me in business, and these are the people who spend their money to see me, you know. So uh, it's my pleasure to hang out with the people that come to the comedy show. That's awesome, and that's why they love you and respect you so much because you're, you're so good. You're so good to them, and and we appreciate you. And uh, one more question before we let you go, unless Brandon, you have anything there? Uh, Brandon, being the new comedian on the rise that he is, and, and he's he's a clean comic like yourself. You got any uh, wisdom you want to impale on him before we let you go? Any wisdom? <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, I would say just go on stage every chance you get. You know, there's uh, places around where you can go on stage, uh, an amateur night, an open mic night. I'm assuming now that you haven't yet paid to get the comedy, right? Uh, yes, sir. I've been very fortunate. I do, I do a lot of church comedy, so I've been very fortunate to just also get paid as a... As well, a- that's good then. You see, you got to leg up on most people. Most people who just start out do a lot of shows where it's like I did, where you don't get paid at all. <laughs> but... Uh, I would just say it's like any other occupation. Just be serious about it. Work hard. Always work hard. You know, and you can have a long, long, good career. You know, I, over the uh, years, I've done a few churches myself. Oh, yes, sir. I find our church hall is among some of the best. That's really awesome. Well, uh, Mr. Gregory, God bless you and keep on keeping on. And uh, can't wait to see you break your leg here October 6th at Zany's Nashville. This week's podcast welcomes Guy Gilchrist, cartoonist and artist extraordinaire. In Guy's early 20s, he was handpicked by none other than Jim Henson to be his Muppets cartoonist. We'll be talking to him about his art, his Comic-Con touring, his philanthropy, And he's also a singer-songwriter. It's coming up next here on the Josh Belcher Experience Podcast.
beyond uh, appreciative and excited to have Guy Gilchrist, cartoonist, artist, musician extraordinaire, on the podcast. Uh, how are you doing today, sir? Great to hear from you, Josh. I'm in a, a you know beautiful autumn day in Nashville. I think it was 97. <laughs> <laughs> it sure it sure was definitely fall weather. You can feel it when you put your sweatshirt on. <laughs> yeah, man. Me and me, me and the dog are, are 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 happy that we're off tour for a couple of days in the AC. That's right. Yeah, I uh, yeah I know. I saw you have a very extensive uh, schedule, and uh, yeah, it's good to have a few days off and uh, everything. And uh, from the last time we talked, you know, you got inducted to the Wizard Hall of Fame and everything. But uh, is that we, when we talked? Is that when we talked? How long? Can, you, it can you believe that? That was a few years back. Yeah, you had just did that, and we were congratulating you and. Uh, and that was fall of 17, yeah. Yeah. So here we are uh, uh, up through today. And, um, you know, like I said, I was looking on your website and everything. Didn't realize, you know, which I should have put two and two together. Uh, you're actually a very awesome uh, singer-songwriter as well. Well, thank you, man. I appreciate that. You know, it's always something that, uh, you know, has uh, been on my heart and on the side. Uh, because, you know, when Jim Henson hires you, you know, it's like, hey, Elvis, put your guitar down, you know. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, but, you know, but I've been, you know, playing and singing and writing my own stuff, uh, you know, for years and years and years, you know, going all the way back, you know, to when I started drawing and writing. Because uh, to me, you know, uh, writing is writing, you know, telling a story is telling a story. And uh, one of the reasons I moved to Nashville you know, was to make some of those dreams, uh, you know, that were always goals, uh, mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. You know, and uh, and it's uh, it's been wonderful. You know, I've put a new single out uh, a month or so ago. Um, it's called Crystal Blue, and um, I don't know if you've heard that one yet. It's not country. It's like I wanted to make a record that when you listen to it, you said. Man, where where am I in 1969? And that's what I did. And uh, the the <laughs> the response has been, you know, really cool. Uh, you know, huh. a lot of people really dig it, and I'm very appreciative of it. And uh, uh, we're gonna be uh, on uh, Fox local with it. We uh, once we bring the, uh, the the video out in November and everything. But it's called Crystal Blue, and and. Oh. Uh, you want to go listen to it? It's uh, it's up on you know, Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff. I'm gonna add it. To I, have, I got no clue. You know, I you know I'm technologically. Duh. <laughs> I, I I got no clue. Yeah, I will, if it's on Spotify, I'll definitely add it to my playlist. Looking forward to that. Um, you know, because like I said, I, I've I've watched you you know perform, do a couple of videos there on YouTube singing. And I was like, wow, you know, to have all the talent as the artist and then and then do the music too. But you know, right on. Um. Another thing I wanted to touch base with you with is you have a love for the Beach Boys, which is I'm absolutely cuckoo over. Uh, how long has that been in your life? Oh, gosh. I think the first record that I ever wanted to buy, like, it was probably, I think it's 1963. I was like six, I think. Uh-huh. I heard uh, Surfer Girl. Yes. <laughs> and I wanted that record now i had listened i I, music's always been a part of my life my mom you know was a huge you know elvis and jerry lee fan and um 
uh, you know, and, and and there was music, you know, always in my life. And she loved Dion and passed that on to me. He became a dear friend, um, you know. But when I heard Surfer Girl, that was it. It was like, <laughs> that was it. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, my old my old truck that I will never ever, I'll probably be buried in, although I won't be buried, so I don't know, you know. Uh, I'll, maybe, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pass the truck down to my dog. Uh, but but uh, Trigger, that's what I call uh, uh, my magic truck. Uh, you know, uh, uh, it's got a uh, Pet Sounds anniversary uh, license plate that I bought 20 years ago. Wow, what a clicker. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, I love, I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, the Beach Boys did every single kind of music, and... They are not only the soundtrack to summer, but very much, you know, the soundtrack to my life in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Um, I just, I love that you had an affection for them. Uh, fun fact about me, the last two years, I've been trying to go see Brian Wilson do Pet Sounds at the Skirmerhorn, and he's canceled both times on me. But, you know, I'm hopeful maybe one day he'll come back to Nashville. Yeah, well, I know he's in awfully rough shape. Um yeah. You know, uh, but he is touring with Al and Blondie, and they've got a great band. I saw that. I saw Brian when I still lived in Connecticut, uh, so that had to be at least 15 years ago. I saw Brian, and uh, what I and I met him. And what wow. what was really, uh, what was what was really lovely uh, was that everyone in his band. Uh, really uh takes care of him and uh you know they 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 love him so much and i had no idea what to expect when i went and saw him i didn't know you know if he was still you know performing he could have come out sat in a chair and started you know and, and put the record player on and i would have gave <laughs> given the same ovation uh, and uh, but I gotta say, you know, whenever Mike Love and Bruce come through uh, with, you know, with the Beach Boys touring band, yeah, I always go. I mean, I, I'm sure you were there too. You know, at the Ryman the last time they were there, and uh, Tiffany, who works with me on the road, just said that they were playing in Louisville. I said, you know, we're down. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, one of the oh, speaking of the songwriter stuff. One of the absolute coolest things that ever happened to me, this was a long time ago, uh, 20 years ago or so, but I had cut an EP down here in Nashville, uh, you know, five songs or so, Mm -hmm. and I, uh, because of, you know, my local celebrity, I had been backstage with Bruce and Mike, and very timidly, I gave Mike the CD. And a year later, uh, I went to another show uh, where uh, John Stamos was in the band, and uh, you know, and of course John Castle and all all the guys. Yeah. Um, but and I went backstage, and the the DJ guy, uh, uh, you know, introduced me again, you know, to uh, to Mike, and uh, you know, with my creds, the you know the the cartooning creds, mm-hmm. and Mike and Mike said. I listened to your record. It was good. Wow. <laughs> I mean, really. Yeah. I, I mean, really. 
Yeah, what a treat. I mean, volunteered it, and holy cow. Yeah, what yeah. an honor. Um, since you bring that up, I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. The way you felt when that happened was how I felt when you drew me this picture of animal that I've got hanging proudly above my bed. <laughs> oh, 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 that's very kind. So, but Thanks. you've always, you know, you've always been such a kind person, and, and when you describe that, and you were very nice to me, and uh, you know, and I've always appreciated your kindness. But when when you drew that for me because of you know, and just watching you do it, that was the same kind of feeling I had. So it's good that you passed it on as well as receive it a little bit too. That's just a really cool story. I appreciate you sharing it with me. Yeah, well, you know, going out on tour, uh, doing the comic cons, the motivational speaking, the screenings of the Muppet movies, and such. Uh, the love that comes back to me is absolutely mind-blowing. And it's one of the main driving forces in, you know, me getting up every morning and doing the things that I do. Uh, You know, we all want to feel like we're relevant Mm -hmm. and that what we do is meaningful, and you guys do that for me. Yeah, well, uh, you know, and I'm not not saying this just to say it, but – Sometimes you can feel a positive aura around a person and, and their soul and their good intentions. And you gave that to me during our first interview, and it always inspired me, you know, with your stories from your upbringing and how you didn't have a lot of money to how you got started. And I've always held you in the highest regard. And into another story I wanted to bring up was, you know, this comedian, this young lady I interviewed on my last podcast. Uh, she said she had just turned 40, and she usually watches the the Frog Prince, and was like, I didn't get to watch it this year. None of my family was here with me or anything. And the first person I thought of was you, and I just wanted to say, you know, just give you props. So you really made that girl's entire, you know, it was a horrible birthday, but the fact that you just communicated with her really was a good thing. And, and you're one of the people that's actually great with his fans, and I've always been appreciative of that to you, so thank you for being that way. Well, thank you, and uh, yeah, we've been texting back and forth, and I'm going to meet her, uh, Haley, and uh, her son uh, yeah. tomorrow. Uh, He's in, ecstatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, what what an honor! Yeah, it's going to be a thrill for her, um, and we appreciate you doing it. So, um, what what's next on your list as far as the the comic conventions, or do you have anything else coming up you'd like to talk to us about? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Anyone that's listening uh, and you want to know where I'm going to be, uh, because I'm so technologically challenged, uh, you know, a a lot of times the schedule uh, is not uh, updated on the website. But if you go to, uh, but if you follow me on social, then you know where I'm going to be. But especially on uh, the Facebook page, which is A. Guy Gilchrist Production. Uh, just like it was a Walter Lance production that gave me, you know, my 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 my, my start, uh, Walter. Uh, if you go to a guy Gilker's production, it's always pinned. Uh, excuse me, it's always pinned uh, to the top. And uh, I'll be out in L.A. next weekend. Wow. Uh, uh, and uh, then in Memphis, and then Elizabethtown, Kentucky, and Grand Rapids, Michigan, and going out to Arizona and Boston and uh, Louisville at the GalaxyCon. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm pretty much solid uh, uh, every weekend uh, right on through uh, the holidays. Uh, so hopefully uh, anyone that uh, uh, is hearing, uh, hearing us today, uh, you know, can – uh, I, I know I'll, I'll be somewhere 
uh, in your vicinity uh, because it's the Endless Smiles Across America Tour. Uh, (laughs) And I've also posted uh, some of the dates uh, for the first quarter of 2020. And uh, we've got about 20 dates uh, so far booked for uh, for next year, and I'll uh, peter those out as uh, as as I can in between uh, drawing on Funko Pops and doing commissions and drawing, 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 drawing. Yeah, constantly. And, and you do you know you do a lot of philanthropy work as well, which is really amazing to. Uh, oh, well, I'll tell you, man. I I had so much fun last night. Uh, I have a dear friend, uh, Carolyn uh, Nappy, who. Uh, I met through the Albert Pujols Foundation uh, when Albert uh, and his guy Todd Perry uh, tried to uh, – they, they had for a little while uh, a satellite office in Nashville. And mm-hmm. I was doing some stuff. Uh, you know, Albert does such amazing work with, uh, you know, uh, making Down syndrome children, uh, you know, just happy, happy, happy. And also – uh, sending water, medical supplies, dental supplies, food, and everything uh, to his native country where, uh, you know, and, and truly, uh, truly and, and literally uh, helping children and their families not die. Um, but anyway, uh, but uh, Carolyn uh, runs a place called Our Place uh, for, uh, for, for kids uh, within the spectrum. And uh, I was just there last night, and we did uh, some drawing and a lot of laughing together. And, uh, you know, you call it philanthropy. I call it uh, the greatest gift. Uh, it's just the greatest gift to me, uh, uh, you know, to to be around uh, folks uh, that uh, are, you know, are challenged but mm-hmm. truly courageous, truly courageous. Yeah, and, and, and what a thrill and how much magic and energy is truly in the room to, to be able to bring that much joy with somebody with, you know, with your with your uh, creativeness. It's just got to be just a beautiful thing. Ah, oh, man, we drew everything everything from Woody Woodpecker to Bugs Bunny to Mickey Mouse to, <laughs> you know, Oscar the Grouch and Elmo and anything else that could fly out of the pen. That is too cool. Well, uh, and thank you for your time. One more question for you I've always wanted to know. Of all your characters, who do you like the best? Who are you the most relatable to? Oh, well, uh, you know, I I always love uh, whatever universe I'm in. uh, Yeah. Those particular, you know, characters, just because I've been a bunch of them, you know, like the Turtles and Warner Brothers Legends and, you know, Disney and Tom and Jerry and all that. And, of course, all of the Muppet uh, and Fraggles and all of that. But... When I was a kid, uh, the very first famous Muppet was Rob, Rob the Dog here. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, um, and so I, I kind of relate to Rolf. You know, Rolf, you know, Rolf, Rolf uh, here's a, here's a uh, interview with uh, the voice of Rolf the Dog. Uh, uh, you know, so, you know, back in 68, I was on a Jimmy Dean show, and man, I was huge, huge. <laughs> I was dating Lassie. <laughs> That's how big I was. Oh, and then get movies and the television shows and the Muppets and now I'm in a box. Yeah. That's showbiz. Yeah. You know? Perfect. Yeah. Uh, perfect. Yeah, I, I I I love I love Rolf. I hope that uh you know, the last uh uh the last time Rolf I think was really uh 
you know, when, when Jerry Jewell was writing uh, the Muppets and, and Jim was here and all that, you know, Rolf really is the heart and soul of the Muppets. And, uh, uh, and you know, Jason Segel, when he did the Muppet movie that he made in, uh, was that, 2012 uh, or so, uh, you know, he really knew that. And, you know, it was such a great scene, you know, with Rolf in the hammock going, oh, no, I'm, I'm retired, I'm retired, I don't want to, oh, got my bags packed, you know, and I'll yeah. be running. And, uh, you know, I just, I just, I, I just, I absolutely love that. And uh, so, Rolf, Rolf the dog. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, Mr. Gilchrist, uh, you've made my day. God bless you. Thank you for everything. And hopefully I'll catch you uh, here pretty soon at another Comic-Con or something like that. Hey, thank you so much. Yes, sir. Have a good day. You too. Our next musical guest is going to the tippity top of the country music mountain. Recording artist Shelby Lee Lowe is with us. He's going to be headlining the 2019 Goats Music and More Festival down in Lewisburg starting the weekend of October 11th. We'll be discussing his touring schedule, his writing process, how you can get to know him better and check out his music. He's truly a star on the rise. Right here next. Special guest to the podcast, we're thrilled to have him. Uh, recording artist, rising superstar, Mr. Shelby Lee Lowe. How are you doing this evening, my friend? I'm doing great, man. I've been uh, I've been all over the country here lately. I've been super busy, but it's good to be back in Middle Tennessee with a new song out and just uh, getting to talk to people about it. Yeah, yeah, we're excited about that new song. Let's go ahead and bring it up right off the bat. Tell everybody about it. Sure thing. Well, it's a it's a country song, man. It is a throwback traditional country song with steel guitar. Heck yeah, and, the best uh, kind. That's what I think too. It's it's a honky tonk, and that's it's it. called Touch the Jukebox. And I just <laughs> released it last Friday, and it's out on Spotify, Apple Music, and uh, everywhere else. And I've um, I didn't know what people would think about it. So far, everybody is really into it. So I guess country music's making a comeback. That's right, and good country music. And that's what appealed me to you, my friend, as a new artist, is that, you know, uh, we're, we're craving going back to, to, to what made it all, you know, popular in the first place. And, and I think you're bringing us uh, back to the, the old school, but with a new twist on it. So kudos to you for that. Man, I appreciate it. That's what I'm trying to do. You know, I grew up on... Uh, traditional country music, and that's kind of kind of my style, you know, with some different influences. But I'd, I'd love to bring back some more of that traditional style. Right on. And I was I was flipping through some of your social medias. Your origin story to how you decided you wanted to do music was interesting. Can you uh, can you get a little bit on that topic for us? Absolutely. Well, I am <laughs> a uh, Cornersville Bulldog. I went to Cornersville High School in Martin right County, Tennessee. Yep. And um, didn't really sing or participate in music very much. Uh, I, I had a guitar, didn't really know how to play it. I had a great uncle that played country music. It taught me a little bit, but um, a couple of my friends heard me sing along to the radio. Uh, Tracy Lawrence sent me to Birmingham, to be exact, and I got dared to sing at a talent show my senior year that I was the host of, and uh, I just kind of went up there and did it and um, surprised everybody, surprised myself, and uh, the reaction I got from everybody is like, man, you you got some raw talent. You need to pursue this. So, you know, I've been doing it ever since. That's good, and we're glad you decided to do it because you're going from that to – I mean, you're headlining the Lewisburg uh, uh, Goats and Music Festival here coming up. That's a pretty big deal, man. 
It is, man. You know, it, it's me growing up in Marshall County here. Uh, some of the first shows I ever went to were at the Goats Music and More Festival. Yeah. And uh, I opened up for Charlie Daniels there, and they've had a lot of really great people. Um, the night I'm playing there, Ronnie McDowell is playing uh, right before I play, so I'm just honored to be on that bill with him. I hear you. Yeah, he's, he's got a good one. He uh, He's the only recorded artist that ever did Elvis's voice on TV. Do you know that? I did not know that. That is awesome. Yeah, he he was the only one commissioned ever to, like, when Elvis, if you ever see an Elvis song in a movie, he's the one singing it. I always thought that was kind of groovy. That is that is really cool. Well, hey, my man, uh, uh, give us, give us, like you said, your social medias and everything right quick. Everybody wants to check you out because I don't see anything but big things in your future. You got the Facebooks and the Instagrams and all that? Absolutely, man. Everything, everything on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, um, that yeah, I'm, I'm Shelby Lee Low, just like my name spelled. Yeah, right and on. Uh, you can find me YouTube wherever you you want, pretty much. All right, my brother. Well, hey, God bless you. Safe travels, and we'll, we'll catch you here in Lewisburg coming up the weekend of uh, October the 11th. Right? Are you are you there Friday or Saturday? I will be uh, there Friday night headlining, so I'm playing at eight o'clock, and um, that'll be a really good time. I hear you. All right, we'll see you, my man. Thank you so much for talking with us. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Truly stoked to have on the podcast the trio Live Noel. It's Liv, her sister, and her dad. They're going to tell us how they conduct family business. They relocated from Ohio to Nashville, Tennessee, and they're a band you need to look out for. They're coming up on the podcast here next. Super excited. Uh, Been a lot of uh, email swapping and chatting to have uh, this awesome uh, trio, well, uh, two-thirds of the trio on the podcast of Liv Noel and her sister Eva. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Awesome. How are you ladies doing tonight? We're doing yeah, well. Yeah. We're doing well. well yes, just busy as all get out. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, but that's a good that's nothing new. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, uh, like I said, I, I got to introduce to you young ladies, uh, courtesy of Mr. Sam Madewell, who is a co-host sometimes and a dear friend, and just really intrigued and, and became a fan and just looking forward to, to talking to you about how you all conduct your family business, which is really unique. If you could uh, discuss on that for a little bit, how you keep the dynamics together, um, sisters and dad. I mean, how does that work for you all in, in touring and everything? So, uh, Well, I mean, we're all very, very close. We're closer than I'd say the average family, and, and uh, we're all just best friends, really. We all live together. So band practice is super easy to coordinate. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, we just have love and respect for each other, and um, and it, it goes smoothly after that. <laughs> that's that's great. And, and your dynamics, the way you play together, is so awesome. Everybody's, I mean, it's just a, it's a groovy little little outfit. Just, just the three of you. Um, is there any more siblings that are going to join eventually, or you're just going to keep it that tight knit? Uh, well, she's my only sibling, and yeah, so. <laughs> That's, that's, we're going to keep it like this, I guess. I hear yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I hear you. Well, that's, uh, yeah, kind of like a real life, uh, like Partridge family almost. That's what a lot of people say. We get that a lot. <laughs> so um, or- originally from Ohio, I'm assuming, did you move to Music City to pursue this full time, or how did you make the, uh, the leap from Ohio to here? Well, um, to be honest, our parents, they met in a band. So my mom was a guitar player, singer. Um, cool. My dad was obviously a drummer, and my dad's mom 
uh, our grandma was also in the band. Uh, she she did lead vocals and guitar as well. So um, after or before we were born, um, they wanted to go to Nashville right away um, uh-huh. after our dad got out of the Navy. And uh, but he just missed his family so much that he wanted to stay home for a while. Um, so and then we never got the chance to move to Nashville until oh probably about 16 years later, which was four years ago. Wow. So um yeah yeah so we moved here uh, to pursue music. Of course, um, I've been writing songs since I was 11 and singing in public or singing doing performances since I was nine. Um, so, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, yeah. Just impressive yeah, that but, resume, uh, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, just, I was, uh, yeah. Well, the next. Yeah, but the, um. Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Um, and then uh, yeah, so you know, we wanted to pursue my music career, but I didn't know that none of us knew that Eva would pick up bass and uh-huh. harmonize with me. Um, and you know, we already had a drummer in the house, so, Hey, I mean, like, why don't we do it all as a family together? <laughs> no brainer. And yeah. And the, and the harmonies are great because, you know, it's like the genetics in there. It's almost like you guys are rock stars, but yet you have that, the harmonies kind of like of the Everly brothers feel, you know, how you could tell that they were related when they would harmonize with each other, which I think is really groovy. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think genetics definitely play a part in our harmonies. <laughs> you can tell Absolutely. we're related, I think. And yeah, and, and, uh, that's really cool. But, uh, okay. So, um, who are some influences? Uh, cause you guys have your own sound. It's, it's awesome and unique and you, you kind of stand out from the rest. Uh, who, who would you say, uh, uh, influences you to, to, for your writing process and how you guys, you know, uh, pursue music, how, how you, uh, record and everything. Well, thank you. I um, I like to call us a a good mix of Led Zeppelin, Evanescence, and Jack White all yeah. together. Eva mm-hmm. in heart, in heart as well, especially because of the you know the sister thing and the blonde and brunette combo. Of course, yeah. of course, you got to say heart, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of my influences are like Cal Wolkenfeld. I don't know if you know who for that bass. is for bass, uh-huh. and she is Jeff Beck's bassist. Yeah, awesome. What about um, there's another young lady that kind of tears up the bass. Uh, she's in the Pixies. Uh, I think her name's Paz Lewichin. Do you know who that is? I've heard of her, but I'm not that familiar her. with her. She just when I when I think of the groovy female one, she she always comes to mind because she she can hold her own pretty good. Yeah, yeah I'll have to go could, check her out. Yeah, kudos to the rhythm section. I mean, you know, uh, you guys are great rhythm section combos and. Uh, you guys all you. Definitely. So, yeah, I saw a heavy touring schedule. You guys are going everywhere. Now, I'm assuming, uh, Eva, you're still in school, or are you homeschooled, or how are you doing all this? I'm doing online school right now. It's your first go. year with online school as a freshman. Right yeah. on. It's been yeah. really great, actually, yeah. I bet, you know, touring and, and, and living living the lifestyle. Yeah, because you guys are going everywhere. Where, where are you guys playing next? What do you got going on? Well, um, we're hopefully planning another show sometime uh in ohio we have a big following there of course because that's where we grew up and <laughs> we have a lot of supporters yeah. um uh including family of course nice. but um yeah we've we've done one hometown show before and it was beyond a success and we had so much fun um 
playing for all the people that have supported us our whole lives and um, and what we wanted to do with our careers our whole lives. So it was just it was a really cool experience. But um, but yeah, so we're hoping to do another one of those soon. Um, we just recently, well, a couple months ago, we went to uh, Iowa and toured all around the state of Iowa. Wow. And did Nordic Fest and everything. That was so fun, so I fun. Bet. And whoever says Iowa is boring is totally wrong because <laughs> Iowa actually reminds me a lot of Franklin, Tennessee. No kidding. True. It's yeah. awesome. Who knew, right? <laughs> That's true. Well, yeah, there must be something to it because, you know, the uh, Mike Wolf, the American picker guy, he, he moved here from Iowa, so it must have felt like home to him. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Wow. You didn't I know did that? Not yeah, know that. He, yeah, Mike Wolf, he he actually – here. I live in Columbia. He actually has uh, three shops here. He has a bicycle shop, an auto garage, but, yeah, he resides in Leaper Sports, so. Okay, okay. Yeah, we're huge fans of him, so, yeah, you, you so that's be, really interesting. Yeah. You might be playing in puckets yeah. one day, and he might just show up. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, they have it, a great uh, music community in, in Iowa up there. It's really great. Yeah, that's really – well, yeah, I mean, uh, when it comes to mind, the only band I can think of is Slipknot. <laughs> I know that's kind of random. Uh, yeah. Iowa. And then, of course, I think John Wayne's from Iowa, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, that, I mean, it's – you know, you can find music everywhere you go, I guess, if you just look in the right spot. Um, but next question, all the songs are really, really awesome. Uh, what's the writing process? Do you write as a family or is everybody individually write all these tunes you guys are doing? Um, I write all of our songs. Um, I have a collection of probably over 65 songs total. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. I've written a lot throughout my life. and uh, That's cool. And, yeah, I just really, I come up with the melody first. And um, whatever the melody that I come up with inspires me to write about, depending on, like, the feeling of it. Um, I'll just go with that. I really, I don't really um, have a plan of what I'm going to write about when I sit down to write. But um, whatever really touches my heart, like what, um, if the melody doesn't, you know, strike a chord with with my soul, then you know I'm throwing it away. You know, like I I have to make it something that I, if someone else wrote it and I heard it in like you know in a store or something. I would want to, you know, know what that is or like, mm. you know how, you know how you're walking in a store or something and you hear a really cool song and it's like, oh my gosh, I have to get Shazam out. I got to know exactly what that is. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if my songs, um, I was actually just telling mom this today that if my songs don't give me that myself, that feeling, then I don't, I don't use them. I'll, That's I'll awesome. scratch. I'll start from scratch. That is that is a credit to your musical brilliance, uh, and you know you, when you as you were saying that it made me think. Johnny Cash actually used a quote similar to that. He said, "If you don't sing from your soul, your audience will always know it, and they'll know your intentions and, and your authenticity." And, and I think you've got it as far as when you when you sing. So uh, kudos to you. Um, people are going to gravitate well, to you in a big way. Yeah, uh, very very proud to get to talk to you. Thank you, uh, young ladies. You're awesome. And um, thank, you. thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, hey, and uh, like I said, we'll get this edited and uh, I'll submit it on Sunday, and I'll send it your way. Um, your social media, if somebody wants to get to know you, somebody that not heard of you yet, are you on all the Spotify's and YouTube's and Instagrams and all that? Well, actually, um, we just we are now under new management. So, um, and our manager took down all of our music from all streaming sites, but they will be back up 
very shortly, like within the next week or so. Okay. Um, I know it's it's killing me because everyone's texting me, where's your music on Spotify? <laughs> and it's, yeah. it's gone right now. But um, it'll be up, and we're adding a couple more songs to it. So, um, But definitely Instagram, we're mostly active on there, and Facebook. Um, we are on, uh, well, we have our own website, livenoel.com. Yeah. Uh, super simple. And, uh, yeah, anything else, Eve? Um, just follow us on all social media platforms. That's it. <laughs> That's Any other platforms that you can have? Yeah. And uh, one of the cases with um, – and one thing I can vouch for you, you know, when everybody's listening, is that absence makes the heart grow fonder, and, and your music's going to be worth the wait uh, when everybody gets ready to tune into you. So in the meantime, just check the social medias and just be patient, right? Yeah. Yes, awesome. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, okay. That wraps up another edition of the Josh Belcher Experience Podcast. I want to thank you very much for listening to my little podcast. sure do enjoy making it. You keep listening to them, I'll keep doing them. If you know anybody that you think might be a great guest, have them hit me up, please, at joshbelcher at hotmail.com. Very special thanks to this week's guests, comedian James Gregory, artist extraordinaire Guy Gilchrist, musical guests Shelby Lee Lowe, and Liv Noel. There was no Yettysburg address this week. Guess uh, Bigfoot's taking a nap or hibernating this week. We'll try to get a fresh one on next go-around. I'd like to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And remember, I love you for you and where you're at in your own space and struggles in life. I want you to have a great week, and we'll catch you later on down the line. Chips ahoy.